Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth-building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought-provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Sheff. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. I welcome you back for another week. And this week I want to talk about four-point inspections, which maybe you've never heard of four-point inspections before. And I'm talking about walking a property. I'm talking about hiring a professional inspector to come out and do a four-point. Now, there's a big difference between a, uh, a general home inspection and a four-point inspection. Now, this is primarily for residential properties. In other words, we're looking not talking about big apartment buildings, that type of thing. We're talking about your standard run-of-the-mill, single-family house, uh, that type of thing, duplex, fourplex, triplex, things like that, where you're running into a non-commercial or a residential property and casualty policy. Now, this may vary. I will say this. This may vary from state to state, depending on the local regulations and the requirements of your insurance agent, or not your insurance agent, rather, but your insurance company. That said, these, these things basically apply anywhere in the country, no matter where you are. So we'll start with flat roofs. Um, I'm going to start with the, with the roof, and we'll go through in basically a four-point encompasses roof, electrical, plumbing, and HVAC. And HVAC basically, basically stands for uh, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. That's HVAC, H for heating, uh, uh, V for ventilation, A for air conditioning. I almost lost my train of thought there for a second, but those are generally your four points. And we'll go ahead and start with the items around the roof. Now, with this, I want to make sure that we're clear this is not a replacement for a full home inspection. I don't care whether you're buying a house to live in or you're buying a house for a rental property. It's important that you hire a licensed inspector if they have licensed inspectors in your state or at least one that's certified or adapts to some sort of uh, uh, inspection standard. These are things that you're going to want to make sure that they have some sort of training that they're following some sort of standard practice. You certainly don't want somebody out there guessing because this may affect you being able to get insurance on the property and Make sure that don't ever buy a property without first binding your insurance company. And for me, I like to make sure I've got insurance to bind generally the day before closing if I can talk the agent into it. Uh, that way I've just got no worries if something goes wrong, even though technically, you know, I guess there's a school of thought says that the coverage wouldn't apply until you technically own the property. I just want to do double duty, make sure we're good to go. So that said, let's go ahead and start with the roof. Now, if the flat roof, if it has a flat roof, you've got flat roofs and pitched roofs. If you've got uh, the flat roof is less than 20% of the total roof area, that's preferred. Now, if it's over 20%, that may be a red flag. Now, these things, like I said, they're going to vary from state to state in different municipalities and different insurance companies, but these are just general general guidelines. In Florida, there's a lot of flat roofs, and the, the problem is with the heat down here in Florida, these flat roofs, they don't last very long. Sometimes they're, you know, 10 years, maybe 12, maybe 15 years where a shingle roof, 
they say can go 25 to 30 years. And I have seen some rare examples where they've let live that long or longer, but usually they are the whole house needs to come down by if you're leaving it on there for 30 years. A little short story about roofs, though. I sold a property a couple of years back, probably 2014, uh, to a good couple here in Holiday, Florida, a little town north of us. And this house, so we had a roof inspector go by, and, and this is uh, to basically give a quote. And this guy went up there, bet roofing company, been around for 30-some years, went around there and just pounded everywhere looking for wood rot, not a bit of wood rot. And a little old man owned the house, and he built the house brand new in 1967, and um, he had pride of ownership. And he went up there every year taking care of that roof. You know, he would check for things, look for if tar was loose or check around the vent stacks and things like that, looking for anything that could cause the roof to deteriorate. And when it when he did find something, and he went up there, like I said, he went up there at least once a year. Sometimes he went up there more than more than once or once a year, sometimes twice, three times a year. After a storm, he'd go up there and things like that, look for uh, damage or anything like that from flying debris. And that roof was original. Now, that was put in in 1967, and this was, I think, 2014. So you do that math, that's kind of crazy. Think about that. 2014 to 1967, that's 47 years. That's crazy that a roof would last that long. But it did, and it wasn't even shingle. It was uh, tar and gravel built up. He just did a real good job of maintaining it. So ironically, the, the what was interesting about that is the roofer came off the roof. He's like, you know, I've been doing this a long time, almost three decades, and I've never seen a roof in this good a condition ever, except for maybe a brand new one. It's It's an incredible condition. So it didn't need a roof now. The insurance company had something different to say about that. The insurance company's like, we don't care how good it looks. It still needs a roof because we say so. So you really can't argue with the insurance company because here's the deal. If you can't get insurance on the property, the lender won't lend money on it. And if the lender won't lend money on it, unless you plan on paying cash, you're kind of, you know, up a creek without a paddle. So that said, things like the roof line, uh, low pitch, you know, if the, if the pitch is like 2 to 12 or, or different, it, sometimes that can cause ponding. It can cause premature roof failure. They're looking for a good, healthy pitch on a roof. They want to make sure that the roof has a good pitch so that it can, water can run off, or snow can run off. If those of you up north, the last thing you want is a whole bunch of snow hanging out on top of your roof, I can tell you that, because that will cause, I mean, there's some cases they've had roofs, roofs collapse. So if you got some pitch to your roof, that's going to be a lot better off for a lot of folks because when the snow gets up there, eventually it slides off and, and off you go. Another good telltale sign that, that they're going to look for on a four-point inspection is a curling shingles. If you got roof shingles, now if you got tile, it's hard to see on tile, but the tile roofs are becoming a thing of the past mainly because of the total cost on, the, on tile roofs. Tile roofs have gotten really, really expensive, but if you've got those asphalt shingles, those ones that look like they got gravel on them or kind of look like they got sand on them, they're brown or green or gray or things like that, if those start to curl, that generally tells you that they're dried out Right, and that they're about the end of their life. So that means you're getting close to needing a re-roof. Again, most of the time on a shingle roof, especially if you're buying with an FHA or a VA mortgage, you're going to be looking for, they're, they're going to pretty much force you to buy a roof if it's anything older than 15, 14 or 15 years. They're just going to say, well, we don't really care if it's not leaking. You need to put a roof on it. Here's why. Back when the housing market crashed, Part of the excuses people used to not pay their mortgage, remember when everybody was a victim? Well, that, they said, oh, I need a roof, and I can't afford a roof too, so I'm going to stop paying my mortgage. So the insurance companies wised up and the lenders wised up and said, unless the roof is of a reasonable age, we're not going to, number one, we're not going to insure the property, and more importantly, 
we're not going to lend money on the property. So we don't even have to have the insurance talk. We're not going to lend money on the property. So just think about that. Now, again, nothing in this podcast is is, is meant to replace an inspection. Do not be that guy or girl that does your own inspection. That is probably the dumbest thing you could ever do. I don't care if you're a licensed contractor. I don't care if you are Bob Vila. Hire an independent third party. Here's why. You may get excited. You may be worn out from an intense negotiation. You could just be wanting to get the whole process over with. You may overlook things. And in a professional inspector, they're going to go step by step by step by step to make sure that nothing is missing, right? That said, getting into electrical, one of the most common things that will fail a four-point is what they call a double-tapped breaker, which means two wires going into one breaker. Now, the school of, of thought is that some people think, who, no big deal, I half my house is, is done that way. Other folks think that's a major deal. But by most guidelines with insurance companies, they will not go for a breaker that has been double tapped. That means they want one power, one hot, uh, to each uh, breaker, not two or three or four. I've seen that. Uh, another thing is aluminum wiring. In a lot of areas, aluminum wiring is a no-no. And the reason why aluminum wiring is a no-no is because it corrodes. And when it corrodes, it basically expands and contracts. The aluminum does when there's corrosion. It loosens up the connections and can cause a fire. So uh, houses that have aluminum wiring, a lot of cases, they require the all the ends where the wires connect to be re-terminated, which means they'll come in if hopefully they have enough room, they can snip a little bit of wire off and they'll what they call do bonding. They'll bond copper wire to the aluminum is doing a special process that keeps the connection good and solid that it used to be that you had to rewire the whole house. But after they got the price on that whole adventure, they pretty much got to tear a house apart to, to rewire it. They decided to come up with a fix and the fix was to put uh, to bond it. Now some insurance companies, they won't accept bonding. Most of them will, but some of them won't. I've had a couple in the last couple of years. They said, Nope, we won't accept bonding. Uh, we're going to require you to rewire the whole house. So imagine People had a small heart attack. I had one uh, not too long ago, about two years ago, where the house had lead pipe. And the insurance company said, guess what? We're not going to insure that. We want the whole house replumbed, which means they literally, this was a nice house too. They literally would have to strip all of the piping out or at least disconnect it, run all new piping behind all the walls. I mean, total nightmare. I mean, tearing out drywall. I mean, it just, it just, it was crazy. But that's that's how it was. So we wound up having to back out of the deal. This was uh, I was representing a, a buyer as a, as a realtor and came up on the inspection. It was kind of shocking. But anyway, double tap bus bar. Now, in your electrical panel, and, and if you listen to this podcast and you're not a licensed electrician, keep your nose out of your panel, please. Don't get yourself electrocuted. But if you hear uh, the term double tapped bus bar, bus bar is basically your neutral bus. That's where all your neutral wires, your white wires come into on the box. And if those, like your breakers, are double tapped, that's a no-no. You know, two wires going to, to one screw, not a good thing. They say wire nuts in the box. If there's wire nuts inside of the electrical box, sometimes they will gig you for that. If there are punch-outs, now if you look at an a, a electrical panel, especially if you can see the sides or the top or the bottom or the back of an electrical panel, you'll usually see what they call knockouts or punch-outs. These are uh, areas that have been basically pre-stamped to make it easy to pop the metal out. So if you wanted to add a circuit or add another box or something to it, you could easily pop that out, have a hole in the side of the box so you could run a wire through it if you wanted to, run two boxes side by side, whatever. But if those are missing, that's a problem. And the reason why is little kid sticks their finger in there. Maybe it's a dumb adult. Who knows? Somebody's going to stick their finger in there, a screwdriver or gosh knows what, 
Maybe a wasp nest would grow in there. Who knows? But they don't like that at all. So you can buy plugs for those. You can buy them at Home Depot, Lowe's, your local hardware store to plug those holes. And guys, if you're out there rehabbing houses and if you're a landlord, these are things you need to pay attention to, too. You're thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me at all. Yes, it absolutely does apply to you. Because if you've got a rental property, I would go ahead and look at get some of these things taken care of. If there ever was a fire, gosh forbid, you want to make sure that you've done due diligence. You've taken the time to do things right to best protect the tenant. The last thing you want is some arson or some uh, fire investigator to come through there and go, well, you know, the reason why the house burned down is because you're a lazy landlord and the electrical system was unsafe. Next thing you know, folks, you got yourself a lawsuit on your hands. You don't want that. So moving on to plumbing, big one that's come up a lot lately in the last couple of years is polybutylene. Polybutylene plumbing or polybutylene pipe is a real problem, especially under sinks. You'll see polybutylene. Polybutylene is that gray stuff uh, that you see under sinks. It's not the stuff that's that's wrapped in, in uh, like a metal weave. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a gray plastic got to be careful with that polybutylene. The insurance companies will make you deal with that problem too. PEX plumbing, P-E-X plumbing is something new. And I frankly, I've been researching PEX plumbing a little bit. I'm The jury's still out for me on it. I'm not sure if it's if it's worth it or not, but they've had a lot of issues with it popping free. And then other people I've talked to say, nothing wrong with PEX, it's bulletproof. I've, I've watched some studies on YouTube. YouTube they did. They froze it and heated it and all these different things and it didn't pop, but for whatever reason, the insurance companies for a while there were not giddy about it. And last time I heard, that was something they might give you grief about. But in other areas, I've heard that's code. So this one's going to be very location dependent, depending on where you are. Uh, another one is corroded fixtures. If you've got like dissimilar metals connected together, you've got copper pipe and uh, steel pipe or things like that, and you see a lot of corrosion, like if the copper is real green and, and corroded and things like that, these are things that we're looking for a leak. Remember... In the event the house floods because a pipe burst, guess who the insurance you're going to call the insurance company. The insurance company wants to make sure that the house is relatively free of any defects so that they don't have to pay a claim unnecessarily. They're going to make you fix these things before they will insure the house. Water heater is another one. Water heaters should be less than 15 years old to make the insurance companies happy. Now, I know that your Aunt Mary's grandfather's cousin's sister has had one that's 75 years old and it works like a charm. That's all fine and dandy. The reality of it is the older ones don't have the same safety devices in place, or if they do, they're probably not functional because they're so darn old. That causes a risk issue for the insurance companies. That's something that the insurance companies can look at and go, you know, there's a chance that this thing could pop. And if it does start to leak, it could flood this apartment. It could flood this home. It could, If it's a second store, it could flood the apartment downstairs. There's all kinds of things that can go on here, folks, to cause all kinds of damage that would cause the insurance company to have to write a check. So they are going to give you some grief about an old water heater. That said, I had a fire this year at one of my, or actually last year, last fall. I was up in uh, Dallas. I was out in Dallas, Texas at the FinCon, which is a financial conference, and I was out there learning, and I get a, a text message from one of my my uh, short-term rental clients who says i smell smoke and i went dude what are you texting me for you know <laughs> call 911 so he does he calls 911 come to find out the wiring for the water heater basically got overheated the element had failed but then seized up so that it kept getting hotter and hotter and hotter and started pouring smoke out long story short it started the wiring on the wire casing on fire filled the whole apartment full of smoke 
Well, long story short, I had to have the fire department show up, and they were kind enough to help me uh, help my ceiling go away, literally rip my ceiling uh, out, and uh, and uh, had to have that replaced. And I think the insurance check was like twelve or fourteen grand or something like that. All kinds of fire department damage, but I'm not complaining. I'm glad they showed up. So Tarpon Springs Fire Department, thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Don't worry. The insurance company will buy me a new bedroom ceiling. I'm not overly concerned about the bedroom ceiling. It's just drywall. We'll deal with it. But, um, yeah, that's that. So a couple common headaches that you're gonna that people are going to give you grief about when they come to do a four-point or the insurance companies will give you grief about is visible mold, especially if you look down in the south, down in the Rust Belt, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, places like that, places in Texas, uh, Georgia, Florida, uh, the Carolinas, you will see sometimes visible mold inside or out, not necessarily black mold, but just visible mold. In a lot of cases, that visible mold, that is a no-no. The insurance companies are going to want that dealt with. Why? Because it's a potential for a claim. It also says that there may be some sort of water intrusion. Perhaps the property has got water in it or something like that, or one of the walls are saturated, or who knows what's going on. The bottom line is they're going to require these things to be taken care of. Another big one, and this, frankly, this one here, I'm going to tell you, this is a major pet peeve for me, excess, excess roof attachments. Ugh, the one thing I cannot stand, and every time I buy a building, I see this, is the landlord lets 500 people get direct TV in two years. And you'll see, I've literally, I had one building, it was a 12-unit building, had 56 direct TV antennas on top of it on a 12-unit building. It's like, guys, come on, take down at least half of them, would you? Literally 56 direct TV antennas on a 12-unit building. I didn't buy the building because... It needed an entire roof by the time they, I mean, they had that mentioned that many holes. So 56 antennas, each antenna has four bolts going through it. So that's what, 200 holes in the roof. And the guy from DirecTV, if you're listening to this show, stop drilling holes in people's roofs, will you? I mean, I don't care how much schmutz you put on the roof. It's still going to leak. It's going to cause wood rot. It's going to degrade the roof material and eventually cost money. So when you guys, especially in the multifamily space and commercial space, when you see all these direct TV antennas, that's a red flag. That usually tells me the property is usually not professionally managed. Or if it is, the management team's not really paying attention. I actually have verbiage in my lease that says they, the tenant has to get written permission before anything can be permanently affixed to the interior or exterior of the building. Uh, and I have to, we have to be present. One of our members, management team, has to be present before any type alterations are done. That's just reality. That's how we roll. And that's that's not negotiable. So I'll be enough about that. Let me get into debris and pictures. Now, if, you've, if you're dumb enough to send pictures to your insurance company, well, I don't know what to tell you, but when the inspector comes out, they'll snap some pictures. They'll send some pictures. So if you're buying a property, it needs a little bit of love. Let's, let's say, I'm going to say that nicely. needs a little bit of love and hugging and squeezing. Go over. It's not a big deal to go by there and pick up some of the trash. If you see a bunch of debris and glass and Think about it this way. If you were to fall down in the yard, if your throat would get cut, that's a problem. I've seen people buy properties where they got like big hunks of plate glass and loose garbage and all kinds of stuff in the yard. It looks like, I don't know, some kind of dump running around there. Clean that mess up. You can hire somebody off a of Craigslist, some day labor, to come clean the mess up before the insurance company comes out there to do their inspection. So make sure that's done. Insist that the seller do it if you're buying a property. Now, keep in mind, a lot of times you're buying, if you're buying a distressed property, maybe that's why the seller wants to sell is they don't want to clean up their mess. 
But think about this. You got to ask yourself this question. Will this be insurable? Now, the good news is, is that if there is an issue in the inspection, the insurance companies will all you get, always give you an opportunity to correct it prior to closing, which means you can clean up the mess and then they'll come back a couple days before closing, make sure that it's clean and tidy. And if it is, they will, they will sign off that it's been done. Here's the problem though. Sometimes these inspectors, oftentimes these inspectors will charge you what they call a reinspection fee. So that means if there's that reinspection fee, it means just that. It means they're going to come out there and reinspect and they're going to charge you a fee for it. So if you don't want to be spending that extra money, if you don't want to pay these reinspection fees, do yourself a favor and be smart about it, right? Have the property uh, taken care of before people show up. Sometimes it's a super stupid, silly stuff that you can do yourself. It makes a huge difference. Grab a rake, rake this stuff up, throw it in a Home Depot bucket, do whatever. You know, is, a, is an hour, ask yourself this question, is an hour of your day, maybe two, worth it, right? Is it worth having some neighborhood kid go clean up the mess or something? Of course it is. So anyway, moving on. Another thing that's common that's, that causes a, an issue with insurance companies is tree branches or tree trunks getting close to the structure itself. I've seen properties where the tree was actually up against the house, actually rubbing at the roof material. That's a big problem. You don't want that. So make sure if that comes up, you're going to have to make arrangements to have that thing dealt with. You get a windstorm. Next thing you know, that property is going to be get all, get all banged up by that tree moving back and forth. Because keep in mind, the tree moves. The house isn't supposed to, unless, of course, it's a trailer home. If it's a trailer, then it's... I guess supposed to move at some point, but not when it's sitting still on your lot. It's supposed to stay still. So therefore, if you got any vegetation that's rubbing up against the house, that is a quick trip to needing a roofer. I can tell you that. Get that stuff trimmed back. Get it away from there. Okay. Remember about flood insurance. I want to remind you guys. This has come up a lot lately. People are, are saying, oh, "I can't buy this because it's in a flood zone." If you have a property that's in a flood zone, I interviewed a guy by the name of Brad Hubbard from, I believe it was National Flood Insurance Experts or Flood Insurance Experts, something like that. But anyway, I think it was like episode 70 or 60-something, something like that. It was, but go back on my website, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash podcast, scroll through the list. There's like episode 60, 70, 80, something like that. I interviewed Brad Hubbard and basically his company, and there's just several companies like him now, for a fee, and it's not that much, a couple hundred bucks. Well, I think it's like 500 bucks. They will go out and actually remove a property from a flood zone. I want to kind of throw this out as a caveat. If you're, if you find out that a property you're trying to buy as an investor is in a flood zone, there is no FEMA insurance subsidy for properties in a, in a flood zone. However, first find out if you can get the property removed from the flood zone. If you can pull that off, you can buy it as if it's in a flood zone. Keep your yap shut. Don't say nothing. Buy it that way and then have it removed from the flood zone. Talk about having a major negotiating chip. There you go. But getting back to the inspection, the, the roof, as far as the shingles go, starting back to the roof again, basically what the inspectors are looking for that you've got a good five years useful life left in the roof. That's really what they're looking for, okay? If the roof is over 15 years, most insurance companies are going to have grief with it. Here's the thing, though. If it's metal or tile, depending on the insurance company, they will sometimes go let you let it be as old as 40 years. Usually it's more like 25 or 30. Again, this varies by insurance company and by area and things like that. So you can get credits, insurance credits, by the way, uh, if the property that you're buying has hurricane shutter. So 
what I would find out from your insurance guy, and, and this applies to you commercial folks too, is say, okay, so how much of a credit or a discount would I get if this property had hurricane shutters? Once you find out that dollar figure, then offset that to the cost of having shutters installed. You may find, in some circumstances, you may find that it actually is worthwhile to have shutters put on, hurricane shutters put on, if it saves you money in your insurance. But again, that's one of those things that you're going to kind of have to do the math, and the math is going to tell you what to do, right? So there you go. Uh, let's see here. If the Some companies, so if you've got a roofing issue, some companies will allow you to have things taken care of after closing. In some cases, they will say, okay, we will insure you for 30 days, 45 days, 60 days, whatever it may be. They will insure you for a period of time to allow you to close on the property and then get the repairs done yourself. That allows you as the new owner to maintain the the quality of the repair, so to speak. And I think it's a great idea when they can do that. So, but you've got to ask them. They're not going to volunteer that in a lot of cases. So just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, be, be careful about the quality of your repair. Sometimes when you get ready to buy a property and, you know, if you have the seller do stuff, they're going to kind of, you know, slap it together because they just want to get the thing done and get it sold. And it, there's no financial incentive to them for to, to fix your soon-to-be property. So that said, keeping that in mind, be smart about it. Don't, don't have these grandiose expectations of them spending a fortune on your property because the reality of it is, folks, they're not going to, okay? They're just not going to. So let's just get that get get it out in the open and understand it's not going to happen in the first place. So if we know it's not going to happen, then don't expect it, right? That way, if you can get repairs done after closing, and again, you're going to have to make um, you're going to have to pick up the phone and talk to some people, maybe build a little bit of a, of a relationship. But if you do make the ask, right, make the ask and say, "Can I get this stuff done after closing?" In most cases, what they will do is they will simply either offer you a time frame to get it done where there's no penalty, or uh, sometimes they will say, well, you know, you can, we, it doesn't really matter when you get it done, but we're not going to insure that repair, let's say. So if you get the roof leak, until you get it fixed, there's no insurance coverage or there's re- what they call reduced coverage, which means, well, we're only going to cover, you know, 50% of the cost of the roof until you get it replaced. Once you get it replaced, then we're good to go. So, just be, be mindful that those things could happen in your closings. And again, there's no reason to panic about it. If you're prepared, if you do one thing at a time and you're prepared and you're using your things like our due diligence checklist and things like that, students in the mastermind all have this information. Of course, if you're not a member of the Cashflow Guys uh, mastermind, maybe you need to think about doing that. We're kicking off here real soon. Registration's open, by the way. Uh, get on the phone with me if you want to talk about it. Go to mailboxmoneymastermind.com mailboxmoneymastermind.com. Get on there and take a look, see what we've got to offer. We cover all this stuff in the mastermind. My students buy smart, right? They buy and they are well protected because they know these things to not get themselves in trouble. And as Warren Buffett says, risk is only for people that don't know what they're doing, right? If you know what you're doing, you're not going to really have any risk. So simply put yourself in a position to know what you're doing. Join the Mailbox Money Mastermind. I'm going to leave it right there, folks, um, at this recording. Tomorrow morning, I'm getting on a jet plane flying out to California for VidCon. I'm learning how to up my game on YouTube. I want to do some more on YouTube, and I'm, I'm having a tough time finding my voice, so to speak, on YouTube. So I'm going to go out there and see what I can learn about uh, doing YouTube videos and provide to provide you guys better content, more content 
and uh, help you be bigger, better investors. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to come out and listen to me. Hope you have a great week, and we will catch you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.